trunk or treat kind of idea. And all the churches, and well, not all, but a lot of the churches in this community are participating together to give to the kids, to be that gospel presentation. And I don't know what you have on your agenda for this afternoon, but just come, hang out, get to know some folks, get to uh, smile, meet some people, uh, um, show Jesus to the kids. It doesn't, just show them that you care about them. That's, that's what we want to do is just kind of give that message out towards our kids in our community. So that's going on this afternoon uh, from 3 to 6. So if you don't have anything going on, I want to invite you to come out. Also, I, I need to cover some business. All right. I know y'all just love business, right? But there is some things that are coming up on our calendar. Um, the first one is the night of praise. Now, I don't know if you guys were here on that night. A lot of people were here that night. And was it not incredible? We're, we're, tr we're putting together another one. So if you'd like to sing a song, you want to share a testimony or something, see Jeff Beasley. Uh, be sure and get on the list uh, with Jeff uh, to make sure that uh, you can worship God that night with us. Also, we've got a business meeting coming up, on which on the 14th, I want to let you be aware with, of that. And the budget request forms. If you're serving on a team, now's the time of the year that we have to start doing budgets. And I know y'all love budgets, but the budget request forms are right there on that console just outside the door. So get with your team. Let's go ahead and get those things turned in so that we can begin to prayerfully consider what God is going to do with us next year. It's hard to believe. We're just a little ways away from next year. And uh, we've been meeting together, I think, in this facility for almost, uh, almost a year. I think in November we moved over here. Uh, is that right? I want to say it was in November. So anyway, I'm done with the announcements. Now we can dig into God's Word, and I hope you have been doing it. We've been reading together through 1 Corinthians, and I don't know about you, but as we're reading through this, how many of us kind of stopped and said, man, we kind of look like the Corinth church? Well, there's all kinds of stuff going on in Corinth, right? There's all kinds of different things happening. Hopefully we're not as bad. But, you know, there are some things that we can learn from. And one thing that we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the Lord's Supper. And we're going to begin to evaluate this on how Paul addressed it with the church. And a lot of times we tend to forget what is the reason why we're doing certain things. Even this morning, I wonder how many of us came in with the idea, with the concept that we are about to gather as the body of Christ, before God Almighty, and we're going to worship Him in His holiness. How many of us, when we walked through that door, and as we walked into this room, began to prepare our hearts, as we are stepping into the, His manifest presence this morning. And, and there's sometimes that we just kind of get off the rails because of who we are and because of where we come from. Man, we can, we can make it all about us. And we miss the big picture, and that's what was taking place there in Corinth. So hopefully what we're going to do tonight, today is we're going to look at the positives of what Paul is trying to teach through the Lord's Supper. And then afterwards, we're going to do it. We're going to do the Lord's Supper together. So let's join together. Father, you are awesome in this place. 
And Lord, we thank you that you have been here waiting on us this morning. But not only that, you were in the cars, in the homes as we were awakening this morning, as we were stirring about, you were already moving. You were already moving and you were already drawing. Lord, the grace of a beautiful day, the grace of the fall weather, Lord, the grace that we receive so much of the air that we breathe, the climate that we live in, Lord, everything is from you, and we are so thankful. And Lord, we give this day back to you. And Lord, we ask that this morning as we are sitting in your presence, God, that you will take our minds and take our hearts and open them up to receive your word this morning. I pray, God, that all the distractions that kind of go on that tend to pull us in different directions, I pray, God, that you will put all those things on pause and do the supernatural in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we meet an encounter with you. I pray that no one comes in here to, uh, to hear what I have to say. But, Lord, that they are challenged by what your word says. Lord, I pray that you increase so much more in our lives and that, and that we all decrease and everything that has influence over us decreases and you are increased so that the world can see we serve a wonderful Savior, a wonderful God. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning as we come to your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to begin this morning in chapter 11, in verse 17. We're going to kind of dive into it because I believe this is where Paul, he's trying to deal with some issues, but now he's going to dive in specifically to a function that was happening in the church. And, and it, it deals or it centers around the Lord's Supper. In order for us to understand this context, we need to understand a little bit of what was taking place. Now, as the church entered out, as the church began to grow, you began to see both rich and poor, both free and slaves. You began to see men and women gathering together and having a wonderful time as they began to share the stories of Jesus, study the scripture, and they would have a wonderful meal together. And typically, what most scholars agree on is that towards the end of the meal, what they would do, do is take a a common bread, and they would break it, much like what Jesus had done with his disciples, and they would take a common cup. Now, we're not going to do that today, so y'all just rest rest easy. We're not going to do the common cup thing. And, but they would take a common cup, and they would pass it among them. But this is what was happening in Corinth. That was the idea, but this is kind of what started taking place. A lot of the people began to... Um, do it differently. And now we're going to see where Paul is going to um, uh, call them to reorient themselves. Now, let's look at this in verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. I, I, want, I want to kind of pause right there and let, let that sink in. You mean to tell me that we can gather together for the worse? And not for the better. This is what is taking place. This is what Paul's pointing out. Our attitude and how we come into this place, we can actually gather together for the worse rather than the better. 
Now watch what's happening. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. What Paul is doing now, that is, seems very hard, but I, I believe what he's trying to do is he's trying to challenge not only the church in Corinth, but also to all the churches and to us today. We need to reorient ourselves. We need to reorient ourselves around the gospel and what it means to us as we gather together. The first thing is, is there's no division. Now, I want you to imagine with me, if you will, we are back in that day. Now, you're going to find out there's not much difference between them and us. Back in that day, you had, like I said, the slave and the free and the rich and the poor and the men and the women. They were all gathering together in one place and they were sharing a, a, a community meal together. They would eat together. But here's the thing. How many of y'all recognize that some of us have to work a little harder than others? Have y'all noticed that in, in our society today? That some really have to put the overtime in and some don't have to put the overtime in. And, and can you imagine what it was like for a free man and for a slave to have to gather together? The slave can only go when his master tells him it's time. And the free person or the rich person would be able to go at any time. And that's what was taking place. You had the rich people that were kind of gathering together at the first. See, they could get started a whole lot earlier, right? And they brought some of the finest of things. And the others, they were pushed to get there on time. They were working. And then when they were released, they probably didn't have time to go home and to prepare a meal and to bring it. So this is what Paul is saying. This is what I've heard from you guys. Those who have, you have a lot. And those who do not, don't have any. And when y'all get together, it is all about this great division that is taking place among you. The rich are getting there, and they're eating, and they're enjoying their meals, and they're hoping they could take it all in. They're drinking their drinks. They're doing everything they can. And by the time the poor get there, the food is gone, the drink is gone, and there's no community there. You and I, brothers and sisters, we need to reorient our life is this. Because typically, a typical life that we live in our culture is, it's all about me. Everything in this culture points to, it's all about you. Everything is about you. If you don't believe me, look at all of the social media that's out there. Look at all of that. It's all about us. We take so many selfies and we put so many pictures out there. It's all about me. But when we gather together at the church, let me reiterate this, and I think it should have been communicated. I think it has been communicated many times. It's not about me when we gather together. It's all about him. You and I are all the same when we come to the foot of the cross. See, back in that day, they thought that those who had a lot of money 
were blessed by God. That they carried all the blessings and the benefits and they had all of the things that God had intended for them. And those who were poor, well, try better, try a little bit harder next time. Maybe God will bless you and you could enjoy the benefits. Can you see how when they gathered together, this would be a disruption? This can happen even in our culture today. We could come into this place, into this building, and our focus could be so much on what we want and what we desire that there can become divisions among us. And people can lose the focus of Jesus Christ. As we gather together as the church, can I challenge you today? As we gather together in the church, our identity should be in Jesus Christ alone. It should be in Jesus Christ alone. And everything that I have belongs to Christ and everything he is doing in me belongs to Christ. And all the wonderful things that are taking place in this world is all because of what Christ is doing through me and blessing. And so I need to be recognized that as I am in Christ, I am a part of his bride, his body, which is the church. And if someone has something of need, if somebody needs something then we should be able to step up and help out. Don't be the stumbling block for someone. And you might be saying, well, Brother Jim, I, I know that's easy to say from where you are, but really, what can I do? I, I want to challenge you in a couple of things that I believe that you can do. Number one, take time to listen to people. Now, I have to admit, on Sunday morning, if I look a little bit scattered, it's because I'm a little bit scattered, right? Uh, Sunday morning, there's a lot going on. We got live stream. We got we got all this other kind of stuff going on. So if you if you talk to me on Sunday morning, just pardon me. I I got a lot happening, especially a day like today. Can I can I whine for just a little bit? Y'all are probably looking at me and going, "What's up with the big hands here? You look like the nutty professor. You're about to transform in front of us." Yesterday, weed eating, I got off into some yellow jackets. Right. And I was off weeding, and I thought that I just got into some thorns because it was thorns all around. So I just got into some thorns as I was swinging that weed eater around, and I was just doing, you know, get, trying to get them off of But you know what? They wouldn't come off. And, man, they lit me up all around in here and all up my back and my shoulders and my hands. And last night I slept like I was on pins and needles. So a little bit, I'm struggling a little bit this morning. But you know what? It's not about me. It's about him. We've got to put a lot of what we are struggling with and we've got to put it off to the side. And we've got to say, you know what? It's not today. It, it's, it's, it's a really uncomfortable day. But you know what? It's not about me. It's about the Lord. I might have a little bit that you guys can learn from, that you can grow from. So why do I want to pull away and say, oh, feel sorry for me when I should be leaning in and saying, how could I help? There are times where we need to gather together and the best way that we can learn from other, one another is to listen to one another, to take time with one another, to find out what is going on in life. Because honestly, if we look out, I keep using the reference of social media because there, there's a lot of us on social media, right? 
If you look to social media, what we are seeing in social media is not necessarily the truth. How many of us have ever put a post up? Well, I burnt dinner tonight. It looks really charred. I haven't seen many posts like that. I got in the car this morning and the gas tank was empty. Praise the Lord. We typically want to point out the good things in our life and we don't talk about all the bad things, right? But with the people close to us that don't see the facade of our life, the people who are close, our family members, our friends, they hear what life is really about. And I want to tell you this, that you do not have to be alone. We are a family together as well. And God has blessed us by bringing us together, bonding us together by his grace. And what we do is we come together and God encourages us together as we come. So I want to I want to encourage you there. Please take time to listen to one another. And here's number two. Take time to pray for one another. Not just one of those things. I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) And not that good southern prayer that we use all the time. Bless their heart. Right? That good southern prayer, which means, man, you got it bad. Let's take time to pray with one another as well. We have the, the God of the universe who created all things and he has invited us through Jesus Christ he has invited us to his altar and we can bring our petitions before him and it doesn't matter how small it is we can come and God will listen and he will move so you and I we can reorient ourselves and we can gather together and recognize this is all about God and what he has done and we are together in this let's push a little further now in verse 23 for i received from the lord which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup of after supper saying this cup It's the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The point you and I need to remember in this, or I just gave away my point. We need to remember why we're here. We need to remember. Reorient our lives around the gospel. We need to remember while we're here. Notice he said it's just simple elements here. As the breaking of bread, we need to remember that that was the body that was broken for us. God Almighty took upon flesh. Why? So he could identify with us. So that the sinfulness of man, all of that will be placed upon him. He is not some foreign deity that lives far from us, that does not understand our struggles. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way, yet not sin. And that when we go before him, we he can sympathize with us because he has been tested as we have, yet did not sin. So as he identified with us as humans. 
in the frailties and the weaknesses that we have. He became, he did not have to do that. He did not have to take on the flesh. But because of his great love for us, he did so. Amen, amen, amen. And that body which he became, I cannot imagine what it was like to be uh, in eternity. Not subject to time, not subject to matter, not subject to the things that we are subject to. And have to step down voluntarily, remove those attributes from himself or surrender them in order to come into a human life and then struggle as we do only to lead to the cross and die for the people who are rejecting him. I cannot imagine this, but he did it. And as we are holding that body, as we are holding that bread today, we get to the end of the service, you're going to see that we're going to hand this out. You're going to have the little piece of bread. Now, I want to tell you, it is not the most tasty morsel that you will ever eat. But it should remind us, it should remind us of the body that took the beating for us. That took our place for us. And what about the cup? I put in there the cup of redemption. The idea that he shed his blood for us. Now, in order to understand this, we need to go back to the Old Testament a little bit. You know, as one had sinned before God, the penalty of sin was death. God said, when you do this, you will die. So in the Old Testament, what they would do is several times when you actually did a grievous sin, you would have to present those. But once a year, they would do it as a community, as a whole. They would offer these sacrifices. And what they would do is they would take, y'all know the story. I feel like I repeat it every day, but I want you to hear this. They would take a perfect, uh, unblemished, unmarked, one without defect. They would take an animal. And some of y'all that worked in agriculture, you know that's pretty hard to come by. So let's, let's just say this. God provided the sacrifice from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, God provided the sacrifice. So by faith, they would take this perfect, unblemished, unmarred, without defect. They would take this animal and they would set it before the high priest. And what they would do is they would lay their hands upon the animal. They would lean into the animal and place weight upon this animal. And then this symbolizes that the guilt that they have is being deposited into the innocent of the animal. And the innocent of the animal was then being deposited into the person. And then they would slaughter the animal. Death had to occur. That is what the Old Testament teaches us that by sin leads to death new testament teaches the same message so they would take the blood they would take it to the altar they would pour it upon the altar and sometimes they would come into the holy of holies and apply it there upon the mercy seat and what we are understanding is that through this picture that jesus christ the perfect sacrifice the unblemished sacrifice the one who has no no defect no deficiencies or is not defect in any way we are leaning into the innocence of him. And his innocence is coming into us. And he takes upon our sinfulness. And then his blood 
is shed. Do you all see the picture? New Testament, Old Testament, they go together. The Old Testament was a was a lead. I, I like to look at it this way. The Old Testament, a lot of the things that was going on in the Old Testament, it was like a trail. How many of y'all like to go to movies or used to? I know movies, you don't really want to go into a crowded movie theater or for the past couple of years we haven't been doing this. But the idea was that while you get, went to go see a movie, they would show you these, these commercials of upcoming movies, right? And it was supposed to whet your appetite. It was supposed to get you interested in something that is coming in the future. And, it, and it's these announcements, these little clips, these little sound bites that, were, that you're given. I, I know there's sometimes that at times I forgot about the movie that was coming out. And I would be sitting at home and I would be watching a movie or something. I go, hey, I remember sitting in the movie theater that day when this movie was being announced. See, God, from a long time ago, began to announce, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. And every time they did it, they were reminded, this is what's going to happen. Then when Jesus came, this was the main event. Now, you and I, we experience this, and then we run to tell others, come to the Father while there is time, because the Lord will return. And when He returns... Everything, remember, sin leads to death. You and I will be judged according to our sinfulness. And unless your life is covered by the blood of redemption in your life, then you will stand before Him with nothing else but you and yourself, and you will be found guilty. So as we are holding those elements today, remember, we are holding those elements not because of we are privileged, or we, we are blessed, or, or whatever we may think about how great we are. It's about how great God is. It's all because of Him is why we are holding these elements today. Let's push just a little further now. In verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord is an unworthy, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and of drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, eat it, let him eat at home. At least you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Now let's look to this as this last point here as we're reflecting upon this. Remember, this was a, a sacred ordinance that that Paul had set to the church, and he said we need to reorient ourselves uh, in the gospel, in this picture as we gather together. We need to remember what the elements are about, and we need to reflect. We need to reflect how this impacts us and changes us. Number one, he said we need to reflect about our actions. 
there's sometimes that we step into the holiness of God or we step into the things of God and we have no regard for who we are and what we've done. And I think this is a dangerous place. So many times we have said, well, you know, that's just the way I am. When we are dealing with the holiness of God, we need to use that phrase with Paul. Amen. I know so many times I have said, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen to what I've got to say this morning, please. If you hear nothing else, if you hear nothing else, please listen to what I've got to say right now. That does not give us an excuse to act like foolish people. It doesn't, being caught up into sin or being li- or living in a sinful world as a believer should not give us the excuse to take back the things of this world and wear them like a badge of honor. We should never, we should feel guilt and remorse and shame because of our sin. We need to recognize we are standing before a holy God. And one day, and this is what Paul is reminding everyone, one day the judgment is coming. And it's not going to be good. In fact, Jesus says on that day there will be many who will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do these wonderful things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you lawbreaker, for I never knew you. Now, I'm not trying to teach or preach perfectionism. I'm not trying to teach you that. But I do believe that we have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in a believer. Amen? Can we agree upon those things? This power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And are we honestly saying that the Holy Spirit can have no influence over our life to change our behavior? Is that what we're teaching? No. In fact, many times the world will look at us and see how what we believe by our actions and our attitudes, right? A tree is not going to produce bad fruit. A bad tree is not going to produce good fruit. So what is in the heart is eventually going to come out. So we need to honestly evaluate ourselves. Put ourselves each and every day at the foot of the cross. Asking God, God, what part of me is keeping me from the intimacy with you, oh God? What part of me is keeping me from the white hot presence of you? God, what is keeping me there? What is keeping me out? God, I want to be there. Every day we've got to take this on. And we've got to come and we've got to recognize there is a holiness of God. And listen to what Paul says. This is a stern warning. And this is one that is not preached in many churches today. Okay? Paul said, if you are a believer, and you're living in a sinful life, you will receive the chastening of the Lord. But, Brother Jim, I thought God was love. He is. My parents loved me. That's why they whipped me. Right? 
You know, that was the number one misquoted verse in the whole Bible. Y'all know that? Uh, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, the Bible actually says, spare the rod, you hate your child. That's what it actually says. And now in our culture, we say, hey, ain't nothing wrong with spoiling kids. I love spoiling kids. The Bible said if you spare the rod, if you keep the rod away from your child, you hate them. How much more will the Lord not withhold the rod from us? And if you're sitting here today and you go, ah, I don't believe that. I don't believe God will punish me because of the sin, my ongoing sinfulness in my life. I gave my life to Christ. He's wiped my slate clean. God understands who I am. I don't have to worry about that. I want you to go back to the point of your salvation moment. I want you to reevaluate that. Okay? Y'all have heard me use this illustration. This is what I'm going to close with. Y'all have heard me use this illustration before. The warning lights on the dashboard are there for a reason. Did y'all know that? When in my truck, when I get into my truck, <laughs> one day I was off with Jeremy. One day in my truck, that low fuel thing kept coming up. Here's the beautiful thing now. Because now they tell you how many miles you got. You know, I, I remember the day where I had to look at the gauge a certain way to make sure that I had enough to roll back into the house, right? Uh, I at least wanted to crank the next morning when my dad had to use it to go to work. And I can say, hey, there was gas in it when I parked it. Right? That's what I at least wanted. But now they tell me how many miles. And I remember one day Jeremy was with me and we were uh, riding together in my truck. And he looked over there and I had like 15 miles left to go get gas. And my truck gets about 16 miles to the gallon. You do the math. Now I am running on the bottom of the thing. And that thing had been telling me for 50 miles, hey, you better stop and get gas. You better stop and get gas. You better stop and get gas. God will put those warnings in your life. Those little funny emblems that has like an exclamation point with a motor. And it, and it comes on when you start your car and stays on. And it's yellow or red. Y'all better pay attention to those things. Right? Because they're on your car for a reason. They're telling you something's not right in the system here. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you one day. Jeremy said, how many miles to the gallon? He made me do the math, and I was like, oh, man, you're right. I'm rolling like on a half a gallon of gas right now. I need to be careful. You know, that's when those warning lights go off. I think it's healthy for us to recognize those things, right? Instead of looking to God and say, God, why are you so mean to me? We need to sometimes go, Lord, why is this warning light going off in my life? We need to pay attention to the signs that are around us. Amen. I think there are some, some of us as believers that are struggling right now in our life. And God has sent us warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. And we're not paying attention. In fact, the lights on the dashboard are flashing. And we've taken pictures and we've stuck them over the things so we don't have to look at them. The day is coming. The day is coming. I'm going to ask you today, we're about to go into the time of invitation. Will you take those things down that are covering up those warnings 
in your life? Will you bear your soul before the Lord this morning? Remember, you're not going to be able to fool him. You can fool me. You can fool just about anyone in here, but you cannot fool God. Don't get too brave to try to do that. Let's take this time of the invitation. Because after the invitation, we're going to do the Lord's Supper, okay? So I'm going to ask you, let's take this time of the invitation. Let's reflect. Is there anything in my life that is keeping me from the table of fellowship with the Lord today? What is it? What is it in your life that is keeping you from being there at His table today? Take this moment seriously. And if it's if it's something that the Lord tells you, don't do this, don't, then don't do it. Don't take this thing lightly. Take it very seriously because we deal with a very serious God. So this time of the invitation, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everyone. If you want to, stay where you are. Do your moment of reflection there. But at this time of invitation, if you want to come to the altar, there's plenty of room here. Come to the altar. And let's let's get it right. Let's don't play around with those things. Let's reorient our life around the gospel. Let's remember why we're holding these elements. And let's reflect on what we are our responsibility. Being born again. What does that mean for us? So I'm going to call us into this moment of invitation. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will point out those things in our life that are keeping us from a close walk with you, God. And I pray, God, that you will lead us to the altar this morning. Lord, that we have this time when we can come to you. And you will hear our confessions and our repentance, Lord. And you will forgive us because of your great love for us. Lord, and I pray that those today will find peace in their heart. From the price that you have paid. 